Hello, welcome to another episode of Hope with Danny, a podcast dedicated to inspire listeners everywhere with weekly stories and personal testimonies from our wide range of guests. I'm your host, Danny Daniel, and thank you for listening. Okay, we're very fortunate today and very privileged to have Pastor Scott Shepherd. He is a pastor, the lead pastor of the Cornerstone Church. And uh, I just met Scott the other day, and I felt like I've known him for a good long while. Uh, pastor Scott, glad to have you with us this morning. Hey, Danny, great to be here, man. Such an honor to be with you today. I appreciate that as well. Uh, I wondered if you could just get us a little background uh, about yourself and how we led up to uh, building the Cornerstone Church. Yeah, you know, well, my wife, Elizabeth, and I have been here in Athens for 22 years now. Time flies when you're having a good time. We came here from Atlanta, and um, when we got here, the church was uh, was a great church filled with great, great people. Um, felt like there were some changes that probably needed to occur to carry us into um, into the future and, you know, attract future generations to the church. So begin to pray um, about what that would look like and heard from the Lord and uh, began to move in that direction. Had a lot of great support from people in the church and from the community. And um, you know, when we listen to God and people stand in unity and agreement, great things can happen. And that's that's really what we what we saw. We um, early on, you know, really felt like our mandate was to was to build a multicultural church, a church that reflected Athens and um, this east side of Athens, really, that we that we serve on. And um, so we worked real hard to try to figure out how to build those bridges and how to attract all generations and all ethnicities. And um, and it's just a beautiful picture of what I think heaven's going to look like and what I know our community looks like now. So we're grateful to have been able to serve in that capacity. We um, worked really hard to um, to do a couple of things, and that is express compassion for where people are and unleash, you know, the most outrageous generosity we could and sharing our resources and sharing our our gifts and sharing things that the Lord's put in our hands with others to enhance their lives. And, um, you know, when, when people get better, communities get better. When a leader gets better, everybody gets better. When, when, a, you know, you help people in the community to grow and get better, the community begins to get better. And you know, we, we've said, if we ever leave, if something happens and this place implodes to tonight, we want to make sure that the community misses us tomorrow whenever we're gone. So we kind of live our lives that way. We say, we're going to make people known. We're going to love, we're going to grow. And we're going to help, and that's that's really important to us. Well, certainly Athens, the churches in Athens uh, need to have a little bit of heaven on earth, and that's what you do with your facility out there. I was just amazed at uh, what you have. Is a maze of uh, mm. opportunity to seek God. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, what uh, what gave you the vision to build the big church that you've got out there? I mean, it's it's massive and it's very impressive. Well, I appreciate that. It is a it is a pretty big space, and um, you know, really, the the number of people God was sending to us um, is what mandated the size of the the size of the building. You know, we went into it saying we want to build excellence without extravagance. Uh, we wanted to be good stewards because we knew it was it's not my church. It's the you know it's the community's church and the people's church, um, and ultimately they do it you know because they know it belongs to the Lord. But we, you know, we've always had a, a vision. We, we just believe whenever you live in unity and um, whenever you serve people's needs and you elevate people, people are attracted to that. 
and we knew that we were going to need a space big enough to, you know, to handle and house the folks that would be attracted to the style of ministry and the um, types of of um, outreaches and events that, you know, the Lord puts in our hearts to do to, to handle all those people. So that was that was it. Now, now the design and the engineering and architecture that, you know, that's a, that's a different story that came from a lot of research and um, development and, and checking out other other places, people who did it well, people who had learned from, you know, some mistakes they made. But the big thing was we wanted it to be excellent because it represents God, but we didn't want it to be extravagant because that can, you know, represent a spirit of pride. So um, that was our that was our main main goal going into this. Well, your vision had to include an awful lot of things, as you said, uh, and it took a lot of courage. It took a lot of prayer, I'm quite sure. It did. But your ministry is a pretty widespread. It's not just for the seniors or right. the young folks. It's for everybody. It's important to us. You know, we I have this working philosophy. Um, you know, the church, the church is never meant to, to serve me. I was meant to serve the church and really the people who come to the church um, who call this their home. This, this place isn't here to serve us. We're, we're here to serve it. Um, we, are, we are the church. And one of the ways we do that is keep our eye on the future. And the only way you keep your eye on the future is to keep your eye on who's coming into the future. And that's our kids. That's the next generation. And the reality is, if we win the kids, we'll win the future. But if we lose the kids, we'll lose the future. So we've worked, we've worked really hard to maintain uh, ministries and trying to be attractive and trying to be intentional about um, how we reach that next generation, whether it be, you know, grade school kids or uh, preschool kids or middle school, high school or college, college kids. They are the future. And if we lose them, if we lose them today, then we lose our future tomorrow. So um, now we can't do it alone. It takes it takes uh, you know a lot of people. It takes people in my generation, my dad's generation, to have a heart that says the things that I like um, are okay for me. But when my interest, my serving my self interest, becomes um, something that causes me to compromise or put it put at risk, missing the next generation. I'm not sure that's okay any longer because that um, that becomes very internally focused, you know, in my in my opinion. So we work hard on keeping our eyes on who's going to develop our future. And that is the next generation. So um, it's been beautiful, Danny, to see, though, the number of, of people, you know, people my age, your age, people my dad's age and older who have who have said, you know, I, I love things the way I love them. But what I love more is watching the next generation embrace Christ and embrace this idea of how compassion and generosity always wins because it begins with love. So that's that's some of what, um, you know, what has appealed to us. One of the things that I feel like the Lord showed me early on with building diversity and, and building, you know, towards a generational model is that our, our platform will always be reflected in our pews. So what we put on our platform, whether it's the ethnicity that's on the platform or the, you know, the, the generations that are on our platform, um, that speaks very, very loudly. When people walk in, they need to see, hey, there's somebody here like me before they can really feel at home. So that, that's been a little bit of our philosophy behind that. Well, you have a 
great ministry for the children, and I guess it's somewhat contagious that they talk to other kids and said, look, yeah. you go to Cornerstone Church, and they encourage their parents to come, and that serves as a draw for you. It does. And, you know, you know, we talk about that a lot. And the other thing is that we have a, a really vibrant ministry for senior adults. I mean, they are they're the most active group in our church. They you know, they've got time. Some of them have disposable income and um, they travel a good bit together. They do trips. They do parties. They uh, they serve the the um, the other ministries in, in the church. Well, um, and they're, they're busy, active, and then they have a lot of a lot of fun. So what I love is seeing every generation um, passionate, you know, passion. When you've got passion, you can maintain momentum, but it's hard to keep momentum in life, in my marriage, in my health, in my business, if I lose my passion. And, um, you know, we believe that, you know, we're, we're, we're selling hope, you know, hope is the greatest human emotion of all. And um, passion is, um, I think the best definition of passion is inner strength that's fueled by hope. Um, because when you've got something on the inside, when you've got strength on the inside that's fueled by hope, um, you find external pressure is no match for internal strength. And when we can, when we can keep people passionate um, and hopeful on the inside, and there's, it's tough for, you know, the challenges of life and difficulties in life that, that rise up against us. It's hard because it's true. External pressure is no match for internal strength, but too many people live without that passion, that internal strength. So our, you know, our desire is we're going to keep people full on the inside. You can crush a can that's empty, but you can't crush a can that's full. No, no way to do that. There's no way to do that. And, and that's the same way with a human life. You know, with my life, when I'm full on the inside, when I'm passionate, when I've got, when I've got passion that's fueled by my hope and then Jesus He's the greatest hope of all. Um, when you've got Jesus, you've got hope. You know, when you know heaven's in your future, you've got hope. When you know that there's something in you, a God who made you that's in you, that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There never was a day of miracles. There's simply a God of miracles. And the Bible says he never changes. And when that God's on the inside of you, man, you've got hope. And that hope, that hope produces passion. And passion, it fights off all those things that that limit us in life and bring oppression and depression and and sadness and hopelessness so anyway you know whenever you come to come to church we feel like and you see kids and you see teenagers and you see older folks and young married couples and then you see ethnicities and they're just you know chasing after god loving on each other serving our community um and that, that builds passion and it's hard not to have momentum it, my marriage, I have momentum in my marriage when I have passion in my marriage. I have momentum in my ministry when I have passion in my ministry. I have momentum in my health and my workouts when I have passion in those things. So, you know, it's just part of, part of I, I think, the DNA that God has put in us, and that is to, to protect our, our passion. Um, Entropy is a powerful word. I heard a story. You got time for a quick story? Can I tell you a story? I got time for a couple of quick stories. Yeah, yeah. There's a guy named Max Dupree. And um, if you're a business guy out there and you hear this, you may you may have heard of Max. He's been a you know CEO of several Fortune 500 companies, written um, dozens and dozens of leadership and management business books and hundreds of articles. And he was asked one day a really important question. And um, 
Somebody said, Max, what's the most important thing you do every day in your life? And his answer, now this is not coming from a preacher. I don't even know if Max is a believer, but I know the principles apply to faith. And Max said this. He said, the most important thing I do every day is, is intercept entropy. He said, I'm, in other words, I manage it, uh, entropy. And entropy is that, you know, law of um, thermodynamics, second law of thermodynamics. It says that uh, everything is winding down. Everything is everything is 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 declining. Everything is in a constant state of of decline. When I build my house, you know, my house begins to deteriorate. When I drive a car off the lot, it immediately begins to depreciate. From the day we're born, we're born to die. We start dying the day we're born. And um and entropy means that everything is really winding down. And um so many things have a great start and a lousy finish. And we just feel like if we can help people inter, um, intercept that entropy and um, step into um, battling, fighting against that natural decline of marriages that are plateauing, because the reality is this, if, if anything plateaus in life, if, if my marriage plateaus, if my health plateaus, you know, if my relationships plateau, if the church plateaus, if you own a business and your business begins to plateau. The truth is, if anything hits plateau and the alarm bells of the leader doesn't go off, it won't be long before that thing is in a steep decline. And our our hope, our our responsibility, you know, is to keep entropy from setting in in people's life. We don't have to to be in this constant state of of decline. Our relationships can get better and better. Our relationship with God can get better and and better. Um, my health, it can continue. And I can I can maintain my, my health if I've got passion about it. Me and Coach Rick, we just finished. I mean, he's got Parkinson's and I'm, you know, and I'm I've got my own issues, but man, we just spent the last hour walking around the park and running around the park the best we the best we can because we're intercepting entropy. You know, it's fighting against us. Everything's trying to wind down. And and church and life is the is the same way. Man, we gotta help people. Because hopelessness is real and fear is real. And those things try to take us, take us down rather than lift us up. So anyway, we just want to be that church. We want, that's, what, that's what Christ said he came for. He said, I came to give you life, but not just so you can live. But he said, life more abundantly. And the only way you go from living to really living is when you have passion. And our hope is to man, just create that passion in the hearts of people so that they enjoy the one life we have. Well, you probably had a lot of people that come in there in your congregation, uh, hopeless, you might say. Oh, every week, every week, yeah. And 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 it's and it's your opportunity, probably for thirty minutes or so, to try to give them some hope and yeah. bring them over the bring them over the opportunity to have full hope and inspiration yeah. and be able to inspire other people. That's it. And I'm sure that uh, your congregation tells about you because you've grown so much. In the last, what, y'all been there how long? Ten years or something? Now, we've been in this building that we're in now for almost eight years. This coming Easter will be eight years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, that was a great way to start. You started on Easter? We did. We actually started Palm Sunday. was our first Sunday in this new building. Um, Palm Sunday was was our first one. And that was a great, great way to celebrate, like you, like you said. You know, we were down the road two and a half miles um, where Living Hope Church is now. We were there previously, and then we moved down to down to this this new facility. 
Well, you had to make a lot of big decisions, but I'm sure they were guided by prayer and uh, listening to the Lord to what you all should do. And I'm sure that a lot of your uh, congregation was able to talk to you and speak to you and says, well, this is kind of our vision like it is yours, but we want to facilitate it with something really big. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the other thing about vision is, um, you know, it's so important to to remember that one of the reasons a church exists is to help people um, walk in their purpose. We call it, it's kind of a insider language, you know, it's kind of church language, but we call it your redemptive pur- purpose. That means you were born for a purpose, but then when you were saved, when you accepted the Lord into your heart as your savior, there's a redeemed purpose. What is your redeemed purpose? And we just believe that everybody has one. And our job is to help people figure out what that is, because that's when life really gets fun. Like you were talking about people coming in hopeless. We, we, when we train our, our, our front end people, our um, guest service teams, people who hold the doors, people who are in the parking lot, you know, waving people in, making sure that people are, um, you know, feel comfortable and safe from the moment they pull in the parking lot. We, we train them. We tell them, listen, you're not just going to be holding doors open today. You're going to be holding doors open for people who've had doors closed on them all week long. And that, that reminds them that's part of their redemptive purpose, you know, because that builds that hope that you were talking about. So it's not just me inspiring hope in others. It's others seeing that it's, it's, there's no big eyes and little U's. You know, every, everybody's a 10 somewhere. We just try to help people figure out where they're a 10 and throw them into those spots and let them have the time of their life living out their purpose. Well, does your ministry go on pretty much all week? I know it's hard to catch you. You're out of town a lot, and uh, you are able to uh, focus on other people as well outside of your church. Yeah. But, well, I'll uh, give you an example. Um, you know, Monday, um, uh, Monday, there's lots of groups, lots of small groups. There's a grief share group that meets here, divorce recovery group, celebrate recovery group. That's a meeting here on Tuesdays. We um um, settled in to make sure we could host a, a family that we had to have a funeral for them. Um, and then Wednesday we have, you know, all of our small groups that meet on, that meet on campus and, um, our youth ministries and children's ministries are meeting during those times tonight will be college young adult worship service that's here. Um, and, um, then on Saturday we'll, we'll shut down on Friday and on Saturday we'll start unloading you know, hundreds of Christmas trees for what we call buy a tree, change a life. We've done it every year, giving away $400,000 in the past seven years um, to children. hundred percent of it goes to children globally and locally. Um, got a lot of generous sponsors who sponsor up front and then people, you know, buying Christmas trees and giving money on top of the, the price of the trees because they know we don't make anything. There's no management fee. There's no startup fees. Uh, um, it's all 100% of it goes away. So we'll unload those trees on Saturday. And while that's going on, there'll be 75 to 100 volunteers um, on the other side of the building for our food bank serving about 400 families. Um, we'll tractor trailer will roll in at the same time. We'll unload all the food. And um, all of those families will leave with groceries <clears throat> in their trunks. And then we'll come back in and we'll worship and celebrate and grow and have church on Sunday morning. So it's full all the time. <laughs> well, I can certainly see that. And going back to uh, Coach Rick, uh, boy, yeah. he certainly has a wonderful ministry within himself. And I know that you're glad to have him as somebody you can minister to. 
Uh, how is Coach Rick doing now? Well, he's a he's a good friend. He's he's doing great. He's got such a positive outlook on life, and you know he's um, he's working through this Parkinson's the, the best way he can with a great spirit, and he's um, you know he's doing everything he can do physically and medically, um, and then he's trusting God to do what only God can do. So he's doing he's doing great. Well, you've got to look up if you're going to be able to accomplish things in life that are unusual and uh, need uh, hope uh, and need the opportunity to say, look, I'm going to overcome this. Uh, People that are hopeful are overcomers to a certain extent. That's right. And if you don't, even if you don't, even if you you don't get healed, you know, and you you die with with something like a Parkinson's or with cancer. We buried a guy this week, 62 years old who cancer took his life, you know, but it couldn't take his spirit. It didn't take his hope and it didn't take his joy. It didn't take his faith. God died. He died, you know, ministering to people because his attitude and his spirit and his hopes were so high. So, you know, we, we get to decide how we, um, you know, life isn't about what happens to us. It's about the attitudes that we have and how we handle what happens to us. Well, it seems like it'd be it is a lot easier to understand the Trinity from the standpoint of God the Father yeah. and God the Son, but if you don't ever get the spirit of hope, uh yeah. it makes it uh very difficult to appreciate all that's available to you. Well it is. That's why Jesus, you know, he, he was with his disciples. You think about it, he didn't you know he didn't abide in anybody and until he left. When he was here on the earth, he was with them. But it was Jesus that said, you know, it's important that I go so that you can have God's spirit in you. It's it's one thing to have it with you, but it's something else to have it in you. Um, because when it's in you, you get the power from it. And that's the difference in, you know, in these people's lives. That's the difference in coach's life. You know, this guy who we buried yesterday, that's the difference in his life. There was something in him that was greater than everything that was going on around him. And that goes back to that, you know, external pressure is no match for internal strength and internal hope. Well, hope only comes from one place, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's not circumstantial. It's it's, uh, it's spiritual. Yeah, that's right. And that's a lot greater in this opportunity to really provide uh, a, a way to change. And I guess we all need a little change along the way. Yeah. Uh, what? What do you think? Uh, have you got a couple of good hope stories that some of your congregation, without u- using their names, that you can uh, deliver to us? Oh, or man. just one? <clears throat> yeah, there are <clears throat> probably thousands of them. Excuse me. Yeah, there are there are so many, so many stories. I don't even know which one to to pick from. There's a single grandmother in our church. She doesn't she doesn't look old enough to be a grandmother, but she's got three grandkids living with her, and um. You know, the circumstances of, you know, of her life that surround her are not not real favorable. It's the kind of circumstances that knock a lot of people out and keep them from trying and from moving forward and cause people to give up. But, man, this woman, she has got so much internal fortitude. She's got hope beyond hope and passion. And she never misses church with those those grandkids and never lets them miss an event. She doesn't have much money at all. But man, I'll tell you, she just the, the hope that's on the inside of her inspires people around her. And she never goes without a need being met. Um, and it's the hope that is contagious that that drives her. Um, that's a you know, that's a a huge one. Um, 
we've got a family who was trying to have trying to have kids for a long, long time. And um, for many years, five or six years, they were trying and unable to have kids. And every January we do a we kick the year off with what we call the Daniels fast. We spend the first 21 days of the year on a fast. It's not a complete fast, but we, um, you know, we have certain things. We don't eat any meats. We don't eat any sweets and um, just really vegetables and, um, and, you know, natural, natural things like that. And a lot of water. <clears throat> well, during that, during that season, um, and we always tell them to, <clears throat> excuse me, to bring your, bring the things that you're believing for. The Bible says that there was never a time in the Bible that they fasted without a cause. Well, this family, you know, they, they fasted for kids and, um, they said, we just believe that the Lord can, you know, the Lord can fix whatever's going on in this womb. And that hope just inspired them. And they said, we believe during this season, God's going to, God's going to heal our body. And, um, and they came out of that fast. And two months later, they were pregnant, not with one, not with two, but with three, they had triplets. Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Just, I just believe it, yeah, it was hope inspired because, you know, external pressure. Doctors say you can't and medical science says you can't. And, you know, your circumstances for five years of trying say you can't. But something on the inside says, no, we can. Because external pressure is no match for internal strength. And, man, that hope just rose up above it. And, um, you know, God, the Bible says God does exceedingly abundantly above all we ever asked, thought, or imagined. They were asking for one. They ended up with three. And, um yeah. That's a, you know, there's all kind of all kind of stories like that financial stories um, about, you know, God just supplying supernaturally for people's needs. So anyway, well, he's the only real supernatural that's out there. That's that's for sure. He is. Uh, that's right. That's right. Well, your ministry doesn't just include Athens area. It goes uh, far beyond that. And uh, that's what keeps you all so busy and so engaged. Right. Right. We've got a big work in Cambodia. Um, not just our church, but a larger group that, um, our church is a part of called people for care and learning. And it's, um, you know, we went over to Cambodia originally years ago as a philanthropic, um, um, group trying to earn favor in the government so that we would have permission to share the gospel. Well, years later, you know, the country's changed and the favor that the Lord's given us over there. We have multiple churches and campuses and learning centers and um, um, children's homes and um, ministry development centers and feeding centers that are just just amazing and enormous favor with the government. So we do a a lot of work over there. I just got back last week from Indonesia. I mean, from uh, Argentina. And um, there we were we were just doing a lot of training for leaders, leadership training and um and, and preaching and, and teaching that we do a big bit of work in India and, and then of course in Israel. Um, and we have missionaries in about eight different countries. So it's pretty broad. Pretty well, your role is very broad at, at uh, Cornerstone church. And I applaud you for that. It's just unbelievable what you can do. If you can give people an opportunity yeah. to seek the Lord. That's and, right. Uh, That's it. And uh, it's uh, just Wonderful, because your critical role as a church is not just singular; it's multiple. Right, right. We've been we've been blessed, and we've got such a good team. You know, like you said, we've got a lot of people, um, a lot of people who, um, 
you know, are committed to serve the church and serving the community and a staff that we're all just committed to, you know, to, to serving. And uh, we believe you can serve your way to the top. And that's, that's been our goal. And, you know, we've got a few things that were language that we use, you know, we say we're going to love, we're going to grow, and we're going to help. We're going to, um, we're going to love God first. And then we're going to love what God loves. And that's people. We're going to love people, all people, people that are lovable, people that are not lovable. We're going to love them on their best days and we're going to keep loving them on their worst days. And then we're going to grow. We're going to grow in our relationship with God first. And then we're going to grow in our relationship with others. We don't ever seek to grow our church. Um, we, it just happens. <laughs> it just happens. Growing with the people, Holy Spirit. Grow, that's right. Growing people, grow people. If we're loving God and loving people, and if we're growing in relationship with those two things, healthy things grow. Well, this has been a fantastic time to find out what uh, Pastor Scott Shepherd is doing and his church is doing, because it's the Lord's church. It is. Thank goodness for that. Uh, we appreciate you being with us this morning, and I think that people who have listened to this will find out really what church is about, what ministry is about. Well, thank you, Danny, man. I'm grateful for it. I sure do appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for what you do. I appreciate your vision and heart behind, uh, you know, getting getting the message of hope and um, positive stories and stirring people's lives out. And I know that's your heart, and that's why you do what you do, and I appreciate that. Well, you're very, very kind, and uh, I appreciate what you're doing out there, giving people hope every day. Subscribe to our social media and share your stories on the HopeWithDanny.com website. Remember, it's all about hope. I'm your host, Danny Daniel. This episode was recorded at Vega Studios.